amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Welcome to November, Broncos country. Broncos daily podcast. I forgot to really wish everyone happy Halloween, but hope you had a good Halloween yesterday. Had my 14-month-old in his lion costume. Looked pretty adorable. My 13-year-old was from the TV show Riverdale, which is really from the Archie comics, as Jughead. Uh, So exciting stuff. Plenty of leftover candy. Plus the candy I'm going to steal from the 13-year-old. And uh, all in all, it's a good Halloween uh, for those of us in the Crystal household that like candy, uh, which is mostly just me and the 13-year-old. And since my wife doesn't eat it, I take her share. Uh, but in the world of the Broncos, uh, I don't know if it was a trick or a treat. We don't know, and we'll probably find out here in the next couple of days. Joe Flacco sought his second opinion, and the second opinion, same as the first, looking at at least six weeks on the recovery time, no surgery needed for his neck to heal. And so Vic Fangio was asked with the news now that he's seen a couple different doctors, will he end up going to IR? Is that going to be the easier move? And, and here was Vic Fangio's response. You know, everything's still on the table with Joe. Um, we could leave him on uh, the 53 and wait a while, or could IR him? We'll, we're just gonna, we'll make that decision here in the next couple of days. And so knowing Flacco is going to be out at least six weeks, I don't know if that's good news, bad news. It depends on your perspective. Obviously not great news for Joe Flacco and Joe Flacco fans, uh, but now it's Brandon Allen's team. We'll get to Rich Gangarello's take on Brandon Allen, but I feel like we overlook at Donatel from time to time here, and the defensive coordinator's been around for a million years, was a secondary coach when the Broncos won two Super Bowls in the late 90s, then was here with Josh McDaniels in 2010. Now he's back as a defensive coordinator and works with the secondary every day. Uh, so he was asked about Chris Harris Jr. returning and, and why he likes Chris so much. Uh, here was Ed Donatel heaping praise on the four-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, I'm delighted. You know, I, I think a lot of Chris Harris, he's a true professional and uh, really starts with his preparation each week. So that preparation is so valuable to have on our team, and he spreads it to young players. So very, very happy to have him back. Just, I just knew he was a guy that liked football a lot. Um, I've been around a lot of players over the years, and when you, you see and make a connection with a special one, a guy that really embraces the preparation, I keep using that word, and he gives himself an edge every week because he knows so much about his opponent. And to have that guy in your culture is very valuable. And I think our coaching experience, you know, Ronaldo Hill is a very valuable member, you know, helping him as well each day. It's funny to hear Ed Donathan talk about having him back, and I said bringing him back when really he was already here, so it's just knowing that he'll still be here, and now is the door open that he'll finish his career here. And that's something I'm going to get into with the Broncos country tonight, so don't go anywhere. But Vaughn Miller, who came into the league with Chris Harris, are both Big 12 guys. I get the Vaughn claims the SEC now. But both Big 12 guys, obviously Vaughn the second pick, Chris undrafted, but they've got a really, really tight relationship. And here was Vaughn Miller uh, when asked about Chris Harris finishing his year here. No, it's dope to still have Chris here. I've been playing with Chris for nine years now. And, um, yeah, the longest teammate that I've ever had, that I've ever played with, college, Little League, all of that stuff. You know, I played on the same team with some guys. In uh, high school, we played on the same Little League team, seventh grade, ninth grade, all the way up to, like, senior year. But I've been with Chris nine years. That's 
it's almost a third of my life, you know, with the same guys. So it's uh, it's pretty dope to, you know, still keep him here. It's cool. All right, and then last but not least, we'll get to offensive coordinator Rich Gangarello and what he's expecting from Brandon Allen that's different than Joe Flacco or better or whatever the case may be. Uh, but here's Broncos offensive coordinator on the idea that, or the question, I guess, do they have to change anything in the playbook, pare it down, or make any adjustments based on Brandon's abilities compared to Joe's? Yeah, I mean, of course, Joe. Joe's a veteran that's been in the league, and um, he baked all those reps and all that. So, yeah, of course you have to um, have a plan to do what he does well. But the great part about Brandon, why he was an asset, why we brought him in here is, um, you know, he played for Sean McVay. He played for Nate Hackett, similar styles, know those guys, uh, knows the terminology, and um, he's been great in the room, and uh, he's great on the board, and, ex- you know, I think that uh, he can handle it. And the one thing we know about Brandon Allen compared to Joe Flacco, because this is what Brandon offered uh, when we asked him on Tuesday what were, the, what were the differences between he and Joe's game, and he talked about his mobility. So with that increased mobility, here's what Rich Gangarello thinks he can utilized by having Brandon Allen running the show instead of Joe Flacco. Well, I mean, uh, that's one thing about Brandon is he um, he does have a good feel in the pocket and he can't go off schedule. So we're excited about, you know, that, that element of his game, obviously. And I think, um, you know, once your first time starting and all that, you know, you just got to go out there and try and find a rhythm. And the game's going to take you where it's going to take you. I mean, these guys have a tremendous pass rush. They have one of the better players in the league. Um, they have a really good scheme. They have a really good uh, third down package of pressure. So they're going to challenge us in a lot of ways. Okay, and as we do every Friday, we talk to the Broncos Country Tonight crew, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. And as you'd expect, the focal point, as is almost always the case, but certainly this week with the quarterback change, is on the quarterback. So here is a lengthy Football Friday chat with the BCT crew uh, right here on the Broncos Daily Podcast. I guess my first question, I'll start with you, Ryan, is what has dominated your show all week on Broncos Country tonight. I've listened a little, but admittedly I haven't listened to the all four hours every night. Uh, has it been Brandon Allen talk? Has it been Drew Locke talk? Has it been how do we beat the Browns? What What is dominating Broncos Country tonight this week? I mean, it's definitely the quarterback, and it's always going to be the quarterback, really. I mean, but, even but, when Okay, but which one? Because I said Brandon Allen or Drew Locke. It's going to be Brandon Allen, mostly because I think a lot of fans are, are starting to accept where this season is headed. I mean, when you're 2-6, and six, that's, you know, the, the writing is pretty closely on the wall. I know the, the team basically is going to continue to fight, scratch and claw, because you never really know until you get to the 7th or 8th loss, but in this case... I think we can all safely assume they're going to miss the playoffs. So in that respect, it's all about the quarterback. And it's all about the young quarterbacks. So it's about Brandon Allen, and it's actually more about Drew Locke. That's what I was going to say. More about, about Locke. Yeah, than it is about Joe Flacco. And now, Brandon Allen has a real opportunity here. I, I got to thinking about this after a discussion we, we had last night. He has a real opportunity here because the bar is set so low for him at this point that he actually has an opportunity to come in here and impress people and make a case for himself. Drew Locke, Joe Flacco, the bars are higher for those guys because there's expectation. There's no expectation for Brandon Allen. So he has an opportunity to come in here and impress. So with no expectation or a very low expectation, I guess what is the expectation? I mean, I'll start with you, Ben, in that regard because you went to Arkansas. You're a Razorbacks fan. Ryan likes it when they come to Fort Collins and his Rams beat them. But other than that, you didn't watch a lot of Arkansas football, I don't think. I'm not saying you don't do your due diligence on guys coming out in the draft. But tell us about Brandon Allen and, and what should the expectation be knowing what you know? 
Well, the, the pro comp is Case Keenum, and I know that's going to make people shudder because of, you know, what, what we went through last year. But at the same time, I mean, that's kind of who he is, an efficient passer, uh, cerebral guy, um, has a little bit of a hidden mobility. We'll kind of, we'll kind of get off. Yeah, he's gritty, high motor. Uh, he's white is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> he's a uh, real blue-collar coach's kid. Um, I, I think that uh, he'll remind you of Keenum, though, because he's got the legs to pick up a little yardage. Um, you know, if, if the play breaks down, he can get off schedule and, and, and make things happen. Doesn't have an elite arm, but has, you know, has enough to play at the NFL level, but doesn't have an elite arm. It'll get him in trouble when he tries to make throws he can't. Um, if, if you play, if you tailor your sister to him, your system to him, um, you can get production at him. You look at the, the upgrade that he had at Arkansas first couple of years under Jim Chaney, not great numbers. Dan Enos comes in as the offensive coordinator and it spikes. Uh, they went to his kind of a spread system from, from running out of the eye and all of a sudden it spikes. So if you go three wide with him uh, and you start running stuff that he's he's more suited for i think you're gonna be a little bit better off you really want to establish the run and build off that i, I think establish the run boot action get the defense leaning one way run levels concept to the other side off boot action i think you're gonna you're gonna you could see some success I, I think he's trevor simeon i think he's that guy who uh can be a spot start career backup in the nfl but i don't think he's a long-term starter and, you know, you, you hit on a great point there. I mean, what you're going to do, the core competency of the offense, you're going to continue to run the ball. I mean, that that's really what you build off of, and that's what the Broncos are, are going to want to do. I mean, whether they, they only score 15 points again per game kind of situation or they can put up 20 or 20-plus 20 points per game, uh, it's going to start with the run. Now, what I thought was interesting about that senior year with Arkansas is not only did his completion percentage finally go above 60%, he had been sub-60 since then, he was 65 that year but also how he involved the tight ends hunter henry and jeremy sprinkle they uh combined for over 1100 yards receiving and nine touchdowns that season so i'd like to imagine that this is an opportunity to get noah fant involved maybe you're running 11 personnel out there but again fant will have some opportunities potentially in the passing game do we think he'll not necessarily be a gunslinger but will he take chances that maybe joe flacco didn't because he doesn't know any better a lot of times the reason joe flacco doesn't take a chance is because he remembers throwing an interception in that situation right I'm sure in the back of his mind he's like oh wait no that safety's over there and so every now and then the safety doesn't get there or whatever you may think a linebacker's dropping back because that has happened in the past so do we think he'll be more of a risk taker again it's a low bar well, and that's one of the things we brought up this week on Broncos country tonight the low bar of averaging around 15 points per game yeah you know he could it's an interesting spot because this is his first chance to start in the NFL and his first team to give him that opportunity because the Rams and Jags could not. So will he go out there and be a little bit more cautious because he doesn't want to really screw it up? Or will he really take the bull by the horns and go after it? Uh, I think Rich Gangarello is going to enjoy working with a, a, young, a younger quarterback that isn't really established in a style necessarily and maybe get him a chance to, to open things up. But at the same time, they don't want to scar this kid. They need him for at least a couple more weeks after this. So it's like one of those things that, like, in this game, I'm going to predict more cautious as far as the overall offensive game plan just by the fact that you need him against Minnesota and probably Buffalo. You say that. Uh, when I was on with you guys on Tuesday, I brought up the analogy of the single-A pitcher that isn't part of your long-term plan. I don't think scarring him is the worst thing. I don't think it's your intent, but if he comes away with scars – you know, or is seeing ghosts, it's it's not ideal. But you also have Brett Rippon, who's maybe a little bit more of a long-term plan. If, if Brandon Allen's terrible, let's say he has a Nathan Peterman kind of game, you could easily start Brett Rippon and say, okay, we're going to see what this kid has. Because Drew Locke is really the investment. If either Brandon Allen or Brett Rippon were to become a success and we're going to upset the apple cart, 
then you say, okay, well, there's a reason that we had him here, and, and that's why, because we thought they would give us a chance. But I don't think it's the end of the world if if Brandon Allen throws three picks or throws four picks and gets sacked six times. But I guess it depends on how they happen. The one, the one thing I'll add before uh, ben, ben responds is just that, you know, what does that do for the defense, though? Because remember, you're still trying to keep the locker room together. You're still trying to build a culture here. And if you're putting the defense in bad spots over and over and over again, well, that does sound familiar now, doesn't it? So uh, it, it can get worse. Like for all the frustrations about Joe Flacco and what this offense has looked like, it can be much, much worse. And if it ends up going like that, a Nathan Peterman kind of performance, five interceptions in the first half, well, yeah, I think you you fracture your locker room at the same time. So that's an extreme example. But I think you understand my point. Well, the beautiful thing is you've got a backup plan, right? Drew Locke's coming in a couple of weeks. I know. I thought you were going to say Brett Rippon. Well, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Um, you got Drew Locke coming in. A, and I know we're all disappointed because we kind of were hoping it was going to be a Locktober for us. But uh, I, I think that um, I think that when he gets in, probably that Chargers game, uh, I, I think that's, that's kind of the thing. I, I think Brandon Allen has the opportunity here to do something. I'm not saying I expect it. I'm just saying that there's an opportunity here. You come out against the Browns, you play all right. You've got a real tall task after the bye week going on the road back-to-back against Minnesota and Buffalo. And like I said, I, th- I think that if he comes out and has a – a bad Nathan Peterman-esque outing, well, I don't know if the locker room gets fractured because really you were just the stopgap to Drew Locke anyway. So it's kind of a win-win in that regard. If he happens to do well, well, look what we found. And if he doesn't, well, he was just the placeholder. But it, but it, did he struggle because of his performance or because of the coordinator's decision-making as far as play calling? See, that there is a little bit of difference because yeah. the coordinator's still here right. after that fact. I, I don't think that I don't think that's going to be it. I, I think it'll be on his talent ability. And honestly, I think they'll come out aggressive against the Browns on that and then go conservative. I think they'll come out try to put them on their heels and then go conservative after that which would make a lot of sense i mean just considering what would help you try to get a win because john elway said on our airwaves he is still trying to win this team is still trying to win they're not going to go into this game with uh well we're going to really protect him a la paxton lynch versus jacksonville a few years ago where you could see by the game plan it was don't screw it up the defense can win this well and part of it too talking about the game plan rich gangarello talked thursday He's maybe under fire as much as anyone when you talk about Joe Flacco's comments and the offense's lack of production and then his first-year calling plays in the NFL. It all, it all kind of gets thrown on his shoulders, and, and maybe uh, deservedly so. So it would behoove Rich Gang. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Garello to not throw all caution to the wind, but maybe dial up a little bit more aggressive play calling and, and say, let's go, let's go let it rip a little bit. Don't we think it's funny, though, that after that first game where we had the uh, the Titans jet sweep and the, the swinging gate play and the shovel pass that uh, we were like, man, man, stick to basics, Rich. And now all of a sudden after this last game where we the pendulum, the pendulum has swung back the other direction. But I think there's a happy balance, I, I, right? And I, I think the jet sweep action with Deontay Spencer kind of creates two things. One, you better put somebody on him and that pulls a linebacker or safety. Or two, get him the ball and let him go turn – two yards into eight or into 80 who knows you want to see a little bit more of it. I think there's right there's a, a a balance there you don't want to you know be like 
the offenses before the modern forward pass was <laughs> was invented, but you also don't want to be in a swinging gate formation every play. Like I went against as a senior in high school where you had a center, two linemen, and then other linemen out wide for the entire game. Yeah, no, I'm here for the Paul Johnson offense in the NFL. They want to bring the flex bow into the NFL. I'm totally here for that. I'm, I'm, I am down. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, well, we're definitely not going to see that. Uh, but, but again, there's, there's just something to more of what I, I guess what I want to see is if you're getting into third and manageable, are you running the ball? Are you passing the ball? Or you opportunities in midfield to go for and fourth down? Do you trust Brandon Allen to execute that offense? And up to this point, especially over the last couple of weeks, is I, I'd say the answer was no with Joe Flacco. Will it be a yes with Brandon Allen? Maybe because of his mobility. Maybe because the offense is clicking. Who knows? But you're at home. You get the home fans. And, and, and the fans ultimately, like the, the one thing that we've noticed talking about it on Broncos country tonight, yeah, they're frustrated with the season. But there's a little bit of optimism that the Broncos are now turning to younger quarterbacks, an opportunity to see something different. And that means something. It's funny when you talk about what they're doing on third and manageable. I was playing Madden uh, Wednesday night while I was watching the World Series, and <laughs> I was playing the Browns against the Broncos just to because the Browns have a much more enjoyable roster, right? And it's third and six, and Flacco was still in there because the computer hadn't realized but Brand Allen, and I didn't feel like switching it out. Third and six, and they hand it off to Philip Lindsay, and Olivia Vernon and Miles Garrett just destroys him in the backfield. And I was like, oh, they're, they really are running the Broncos offense. Well, if it's in the game, it's. A, <laughs> nice. um, yeah, no, it's. it's Yeah, we, we really need. I think Brandon Allen's going to. And that was the question I, I really wanted to ask Justin when we talked a little bit earlier. Justin Simmons was. Uh, and really, the offensive line is when you got a new quarterback back there. How does that change things up for you? You know, how does that change things up for your protection schemes? You know, Joe Flacco was a uh, five-step and plant guy, and it made it easier for the edge rush, made it harder on the tackles. So maybe Brandon Allen, with the ability to step up, makes it a little easier on the tackles, and, you know, maybe this offense starts to click because you've got a guy who can move around a little bit. Exactly, and and clearly Joe Flacco's ability to run the ball uh, clearly has whatever whatever he had, he does not have anymore. So uh, That's about the, what he had. Well, yeah, true, but and and that's another thing. I mean, really, like that style of quarterback is kind of becoming a bit extinct. I mean, really, if you think about you know modern offense way it is right now, maybe Lamar Jackson's on the far end of that. But but almost every single team wants a little bit of mobility out of their quarterback, yeah. and, and it helps your offensive line. It also adds a, a dimension for opposing defenses to at least account for. Hey. You know, this is the thing. He might take off and run. And, and and this is the thing. For a young quarterback, that actually is something they'll they'll be able to use. Because you go one, two, read, and then I, I tell them to take off. Like, like don't, don't get too cute. Don't hang on to the ball too long if you can avoid it. Yeah, they're probably going out the window with Tom Brady, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees. As these guys end their careers, Eli Manning, you're, you're going to see, with Aaron Rodgers obviously being the extreme example in terms of skill, but the way he runs, or Russell Wilson runs, where they're not Michael Vick or Lamar Jackson, but they're running for first downs, and you feel good that when they're on the edge against a linebacker and they have four yards to go, they're going to get to that spot. They're not going to get tackled a yard or two short or slide. Not that they shouldn't slide. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that's at least where the passing, the evolution of the athletic passer is. Well, and with quarterback protection rules being what they are, you're likely to pick up a roughing. You're as likely to pick up a roughing the passer for a regular tackle as you are anything. So you might as well run your quarterback out there. It just makes sense. So a couple quarterback things I want to get to, and if we have time, we'll sneak in 
Chris Harris, but you touched on Drew Locke, Ben. Do we like where the Broncos are with this plan? There's not anything that certainly we can do about it or the rest of Broncos country that wants to see Drew Locke start against the Browns or any of the other, you know, upcoming opponents here in, in, in the coming weeks. It's literally the plan I laid out on our show. Like that, it's, it's literally the exact plan that I laid out on our show. Why, you, When you're bringing out a new quarterback, you want to put him in the best position possible to be successful. You want to inspire confidence in your veteran teammates. Uh, and, and the best way to do that is let Brandon Allen take the bullets here. I mean, obviously, Locke couldn't play against the Browns anyway. But let Brandon Allen take the bullets against Minnesota and Buffalo on the road and then turn around and bring, you know, you got the Chargers at home. That's not an easy game, but it's a, it's a more favorable matchup. You put Drew Locke out there. You got the crowd on your side. You don't have to deal with an opposing crowd. You don't have to deal with an early game in, in Buffalo in the dead of November, you know, those kinds of things. And, and and now all of a sudden, you've got a better shot at it. You got a better chance to to see what he can do and, and build confidence from there. I, I think that's the best plan. I, I think putting him out there at home against the Chargers, I think that's the idea play well and clearly for the Broncos they they wanted to get more practice time with them at this point so that 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 is clearly what it seems like is the circle day I think fans are going to have a hard time with it because they don't right now view Brandon Allen as anything more than one more stopgap to the eventual guy that they actually really want to see I mean and that game against the Chargers I mean it'll be sold out people will be super excited and, and you're building weekend yeah and you're, you're building some momentum towards it there's no question about it but I mean that that's what I think fans are, are just frustrated by they're they're tired of the waiting for the guy they're just tired of the waiting and and then you know it, it feels confusing because you're asking why is it such a big deal to bring him bring him up for practice? But we laid this out on Broncos Country tonight. Well, listen, you got to give Brandon Allen all the reps he needs for this game, and you're probably going to need to get him all the reps you can I mean, because you got the bye week then, and you're going to get him all the reps you can against Minnesota potentially as well Buffalo, and and the backup quarterback tends to not get a lot of looks. So once you start the clock, which is basically trying to bring him off IR. Uh, you have a, a finite amount of time. And if he's not really getting reps during that time because you're trying to actually get ready for games, well, then you're wasting everybody's time, including Drew Locke's. So if you go by just the logic of it and not some kind of hot take that's floating around on Sports Talk Radio, then the reality is is very obvious. Well, it's funny, too, because a couple weeks ago, and maybe every week Adam Gase takes criticism, but the Jets started Luke Falk in a game that Sam Darnold took all the first-team reps in practice that week because Adam Gase was playing the long game. And a lot of the way they handle Brandon Allen in the coming weeks will be based on how the game goes against the Browns and then subsequently the Vikings. There's a chance they could follow the exact same pattern where against the Bills, Drew Locke gets most of the work in practice and then Brandon Allen has to go out there and start and then we'll see what happens in that Chargers game. Let's hit the rewind button a little bit to two drafts ago. I know Baker Mayfield was number one for me in terms of quarterbacks I would have loved to have seen here. And then based on what we saw as rookie year, I was like, oh, it's Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield are the young quarterbacks I'd want to build around the most. And now we see Baker take a step back. I know you were high on Baker, Ryan. I assume you were as well, Ben. Uh, And so it was funny because I was looking at his numbers. I talked to Big Al on the podcast yesterday. His numbers are almost identical to Joe Flacco's, and no one's feeling great about the year Joe Flacco's had, right? If anything, you're like, oh, even Joe Flacco being Joe Flacco's a disappointment in what we've seen. You wouldn't have thought, based on what he did last year, that you'd see six touchdowns and 1,600 yards and 12 picks. What's going on there? 
Well, you've got an offense that doesn't cater to Baker's skill set. They changed offenses. They brought Todd Monken in. It's a vertical offense. Baker's a rhythm, timing passer. You want to get some some easy stuff first and and get him going. He's one of those guys that once he he needs to get in the groove, and then when he does, he, he takes off. The offense he's playing, it isn't designed to do that. It's power run and go vertical. And we've seen uh, it's the same offense they ran at Tampa before. And you saw how many interceptions Jameis and Ryan Fitzpatrick do in that offense. It's the same offense. So uh, they, they brought in the wrong guy. They've got the wrong defensive coordinator up there. They've, they've just got the whole wrong setup going on up there in, in, in Cleveland. And we're going to see that. I, I suspect you're going to see the Broncos get a couple of interceptions in this game as well, simply by virtue of how they play defense with those uh, with that umbrella zone. Well, and, and again, Freddie Kitchens is – I mean, there was already doubts within the organization. We've talked about several times in Broncos country tonight about whether Freddie Kitchens was the right hire. Based on what we're seeing right now, it's starting to look like that. He might end up being a one-and-done. And that that's a little unfortunate because they, he was having success as the coordinator there coaching up Baker Mayfield. And so, yeah, you change systems on him. But that, that's the thing. I'm still high on Baker Mayfield. We just acknowledge that the system that he's currently running doesn't work for him. All right, before I get you to predict the game – we heard Chris Harris's comments. Uh, I asked him about John Elway's comments, saying, hey, we'll talk to him after the season. Then John reiterated that on the team website. Chris said that was encouraging to hear because it was certainly a, a different tone than they had heard. And I understand the idea that you're not going to pay for past performance. But Chris Harris's current performance is at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro kind of level. In the back of your mind, we heard Vaughn say he, you know, he's excited about the, the nine years that he spent with them and, and – I don't think he said I want him back one way or the other. I think that is understood. Do you think Chris Harris? Is there any realistic chance? Because Broncos are at seventy million under the cap right now, heading into the next year. Do we think Chris Harris could be back here and finish his career in Denver the way Champ Bailey did? Well, we talked to Mike Kliss last night, and he said better. You know, he said probably less than fifty percent, but that's better than it was in the off season when we all kind of said no. He wants to test. There's no way the Broncos do this. Look, they they put the draft compensation that they wanted up pretty high for a rental for most teams and there was a reason they didn't really want to give him away and if they wanted to get him off the team and they felt like they had to get him off the team they would have gotten him off the team a third rounder probably would have done it in this case they didn't want to get rid of him they still want to keep the door open you don't spiff the guy all this extra money and then ask for a second round pick if you don't really like him and you want him back I think that there is a really good shot about it but at the same time it kind of takes both sides willing to work it depends on the market when he gets out there and I think that the lack of um upper tier offers for him has to be encouraging if you're the Broncos because uh, you're coming to him saying look we you know we put you out there to test this and we didn't get back even a you know a second round offer so I think if you're the Broncos you're coming to him saying hey look you're having your fourth daughter you've got roots in the community why not come back and be a Bronco for life we, we, we can't do 15 but we can do we can do 12 million you know that kind of thing and honestly I, I think the Broncos are the team that's more willing to give him more um, long-term guaranteed security than probably other teams out there that are going to want to front load a year-to-year type deal. Yeah, it kind of reminds me, uh, and John came in a year after Champ signed his final deal here, but it, by my math, I think it was four years, 48, and then John honored it, right? He didn't, he didn't necessarily have to, but does that sound right? Well, yes, and one other thing, Chris has the ability to change to safety later if they need him to. That's that's one of the other things. I know you got Justin back there and you're good with that. You got Kareem right now, but Kareem's getting up there. Chris played safety in college. He's got the he's got the champ tried to do that and he didn't have the ability to do that. Chris has got experience there. So if you do get in a three year deal and, and he can't quite be the corner anymore in year two, you, you've kind of got some options in, in what you can do with him going forward. All right. I kept you guys longer than I certainly was planning on and I appreciate it. What's gonna happen Sunday? 
Uh, you know what? I think this is one of the three wins I could see for the Broncos going forward from this point. I think they can win this football game. You're going to have to come out. You have to play good defense. You probably need to get a couple turnovers. You're really going to have to be supportive of Brandon Allen, and he's not going to have to not make mistakes. But this could be, if he can if he can play clean football, you can get a win out of this one. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and call it uh, 21-17 Broncos. I like the idea of the Broncos winning in this, mostly because of the Browns and their dysfunction. And on top of that, they're the most penalized team in the league. Turning the ball over at a really high clip, one of the worst in the league at that, too. Uh, they're also one of the worst in the league against the runs. So this lines up very nicely for the Broncos. What you can't do is allow Miles Garrett, Olivier Vernon to wreck the game. You can't allow those guys to, to get home. So what you're going to have to do is get the ball out fast, run the ball up the middle. I think they're going to have success at that. Uh, I, it's, it's a weird thing because... With Joe Flacco, I don't know if I'd have this kind of optimism, but I think that uh, they're going to be able to show some things that they haven't been able to show up to this point, and that's going to keep the Browns off balance. All right, that'll do it for the Friday edition of the Broncos Daily Podcast here on this Football Friday. Tomorrow, of course, always Saturdays with Suze, and if we're lucky, maybe I'll sneak in a player interview as well, and then Sunday we'll go behind enemy lines with Dustin Fox from the Browns Radio Network, former NFL cornerback and Ohio State Buckeye National Champ. And then we'll also talk some daily fantasy with Ryan Edwards. So I appreciate listening. Make sure you're telling your friends to not only download, but to subscribe as well. And we will see you tomorrow, Saturdays with Suze here on the Broncos Daily Podcast. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.